0: Kids and you. The Stony Island Audio. What up, ladies and gentlemen? This is your captain speaking. This is Secret Skin, season two, episode four. I think I'm losing count already. Our guest this week is Rhyme Fest, Chicago OG Rhymer Rhyme Fest. This is the first person who I ever heard freestyle in my life. It's the first person I ever heard makeup raps off the top of their head um there's a little clip of that in the interview we put it in in post because we're editing wizards shout out to uh rob and jake my editors um me and ryan fest also had a running in a local rap spot when i was in high school and i was just starting out i was a little pup we had a little little rap skirmish i reminded him of in the interview, I like reminding people of when I met them and when they had no idea who I was. It's one of my favorite things to do on this show. Um, people get really scared. You can see the fear in their eyes when you're about to tell them a story about themselves that they don't remember at all. Because um, it means they might have been an asshole, but he wasn't an asshole at all. But I've done that to people and watched their eyes get real, real big because I was describing some incident in which they were being A dick. And they didn't realize that uh, I was there. (laughs) Anyway, this is Sacred Skin. I talk to people. I uh, try to get insights from them. I lean on them for advice and perspective. Uh, We have meetings of the minds. Tell your friends about it. Rate it and review it. It helps the robots love us. Give us Give us thumbs up and as many stars that are possible we're on YouTube. This is Stony Island Audio. We're on the Stony Island Audio YouTube. This is my podcast network that I administer. Yeah, you know, Super Duty, Tough Work, Dad by Rap Pod, The Questions, Hip Hop Trivia, Creativity, and Captivity, The Fatherhoods Podcast, The Raw Report. I'm sure there's something else I'm forgetting. Did I say Dad Bot? I hope I did. I love those guys. You can support the show a couple of ways. I'm on Patreon at patreon.com openmikeeagle If you want to support me there, I offer many, many goodies, many, many behind the scenes goodies. I do a whole separate secret podcast that's just for my patrons. It's called the Hella Personal Podcast, where I ask for questions and the patrons ask me questions. And the whole podcast is me answering them their questions patreon.com slash open another way to support the show is when you hear ads and there's codes for things try them <laughs> do the trials put in the codes get the better help or the or the pepsi or the beach stars or the dad grass whatever it may be try it out put our code in it's very very helpful i'm about to go on tour my tour starts this week my tour starts tomorrow i have a show in phoenix well, let me say the tours with AJJ the band. We hit Phoenix, Albuquerque, Tulsa, Little Rock, Memphis, St. Louis, Indiana, Chicago, Minneapolis, and Omaha. And then after that, Omaha, I have a solo headlining show in New York in Brooklyn with Fat Boy Sharif, who is very, very dope. Remember, to say the secret word. If you come to any of these tour dates and you're a listener to Secret Skin, then I have informed you what the secret word is. I'm gonna repeat it right now. What you do is you pull me aside and say, "I know the secret word," and you whisper it to me because nobody else can hear you say it. And I will teach you the secret handshake. That word, pumplimos. Okay? There was an there was another word last season. Drag and drop that one into the trash on this tour you know I'll be doing some new songs some old ones too have some vinyl for you have some shirts for you uh, yeah. yeah but i wasn't what i wasn't i'm not gonna have you on tour you're i can't go your podcast shirt i'm gonna have merch shirts other shirts to say other things uh-huh. mm-hmm. i don't what yes. What's another shirt What is another shirt? What does that mean? Yes, there are other shirts that exist. Do you? What? Do you not know that? No. Do you not know there's other shirts? What does that even mean, other shirt? What is, what are you talking about? There's other shirts like you, but where you say secret skin because you're a podcast shirt, these shirts have other images on them. You're blowing my mind here, dog. I don't, know, oh. I don't know what this is. I don't like it. I feel, um, it feels like I'm well, in a crisis. How about we take you along anyway? We can make okay. it a little adventure. Um, oh. Maybe we can help you find your shirt family.
1: I like that. All right. Help me find my shirt family.
0: Help me find my shirt mom and dad. Help, help me, find me find my shirt, old shirt brother. brother. Help, help me find the, the life I you have. I'm honored to bring on our next guest. This is somebody whose who's career, even I don't even know if you would even call it a career, but just like their output, who they are creatively, has been important to me for a really long time. I'm not going to waste a whole bunch of time with introductions, but I want to say a, a very good afternoon, good morning to to the OG brother, Rhyme Fest. How you doing, man?
2: Man, what up, Mike? I really like how you put that, like... If you even call it a career, like what the hell is a career? What is a career? You know what I'm saying? It's something that you like study to do and you do because what your parents pushed you into it or because you think for society, that's what you need to do. Or this is my gift. This is what I like to do. So I'm gonna make a career out of it. But shit, once you make a career out of your gift, you've already betrayed it.
0: A little bit,
2: yo, nigga, a lot of bit. A little bit. I
0: learn that more and more all the time,
2: because you're always going to bump into a wall. You know what I'm saying? And then it'll make you question whether you even had the gift in the first place, because you got to do it for a living. So you kind of removed the the flow out of it, the fun out of it. Now you put supervisors over your gift that are like, well, you know, if you if you writing a script, for instance. We got to please this audience, that audience. Now you ain't even and then you see somebody else do it that don't have to do none of that shit and you like, "Damn, what happened to my gift?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like and, and so like to make a career out of your gift is like damn near betraying the gift. But it's kind of like like what I've kind of learned to do is live for a living and like let the things that I do naturally bring stuff back to me kinda like so I wear this spider because the spider what it do it just shoot the web from inside itself and it sit back and wait for dinner. But that take a lot of faith and people don't got that. So you know.
0: I mean, you know, faith isn't something that's encouraged by a society, you know. What what we're encouraged to do is to go out, go hunt, go get, you know, like to pursue and be proactive and I guess it doesn't teach us that our gifts have attraction to them. We don't come out of education with that sort of thought about ourselves. But another interesting thing too when you say career, and especially when it comes to music, right? When you talk about a music career, when we say that word associated with, with a musician, what we end up meaning is like their releases. You know what I'm saying? Like the their like their like your your gift. But only when your gift interacted with business to make a product like so it's like your catalog of products is your career. And that's why I didn't want to say that in this sense, because I knew you as a freestyle MC who I would see or hear where people were freestyling. You know what I'm saying? So like that don't necessarily connect to career in the word that we use it, but it's just your creative output has been. In my world that long. You know what I'm saying?
2: You know, we we prepare ourselves for poverty. Like, we come from struggle, right? So, the whole thing is, how do I prepare myself to take the hits? But what we don't prepare ourselves for is when when life gives you enough rope to hang yourself with. You know, that's a whole nother kind of preparation. Are we prepared for abundance?
0: 100% of the time, when I get a nice lump of something, like... I have a real conflict in me that first day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I have like this I I, I come to this fork in the row whenever there's a large sum where I'm like, I really kind of want to buy a bunch of shit right now. Like that's on one hand. And on the other hand, I'm like, I never wanna have less than this much money ever again. <laughs> Bro,
2: I never wanna have less than this much money ever again. So you know. You know what I started doing, bro, recently? I just start putting it into like assets that I can't see. Like like all I need in my account is this much, you know what I'm saying? And so when I get a lump sum,
0: and then the rest is out somewhere working for you. You yeah. know what I'm
2: saying? Like I bought a I bought a crib out in uh Yellowstone, out in uh Wyoming. And mm. man, bro, I bought it a little bit before the pandemic. It just tripled in price and value. But I ain't selling it. You know what I mean? It's just, all right. That's an asset. You know what I'm saying? Um,
0: it is. That's beautiful.
2: IRA. You know, like, I, and I'm just, I'm looking for other places to park money where I can't see it.
0: That's real, cause you know, there's not enough instruction manuals for, especially if you're a creative and you're not, if you're not necessarily connected to a corporation, like there's no instruction manual for what you do with money like because you get it right now you there's no promise it's going to happen again tomorrow and like you kind of have to make plans for your own financial safety yourself you know and it's and it's 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 real easy not to learn that at all <laughs> and it is and if you do learn it it's usually the hard way
2: it's also like especially depending on what kind of musician entertainer you are there may be an image. You know, I always felt like I had to have something that a rapper should have at all times. Like, so for me, it was like old school cars. So I'd be putting like all this money in these junk ass cars, bro. It was horrible. <laughs> and I lived in the hood, so at times they get stolen and stuff. Like, it was crazy.
0: Yeah, man. Yo, so you know what, what that reminds me of is something it's it's a it's a new lesson I've learned. Cause I pay a lot of attention to professional wrestling, right? So I know about how all the business of that works. But what it makes me do sometimes is remember how I used to think of things when I was a child and compare it to how I know things to be now. So like when I was a little kid, I legitimately thought that the million dollar man Ted DiBiase and Ric Flair were both rich. I thought they was rich for real.
2: Hold on, bro. They wasn't rich?
0: No, they wasn't rich.
1: (laughs) Ted
2: DiBiase didn't have a million dollars.
0: Ted DiBiase was making less money than half the people in the WWF, right? Hello, but they used to do things while he was traveling to make it appear like he was really rich. You know what I'm saying? Like they would they would spend extra money on his gimmick because his gimmick was being rich. It didn't mean he was actually rich, but that, that was the way that they needed to sell us that image. So they they set aside extra money to have him drive a little nicer, fly a little nicer than everybody else. You know what I'm saying, and and to the point where like, They took it out his check. You know, I don't know if they took it out his check. That's a good question. But I like you know you know if he was a rapper, they would have took it out his check for sure. Definitely. But him being a wrestler, I don't know if they did. It's just wild to think about, too, because in my mind, all the rest of the wrestlers was on a bus, but Ric Flair was flying in a private jet to get to the same event, in my mind. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And that's just wild to think about when you you say what you say about feeling like we have to wear the uniform of whatever our, our, our chosen profession is. And with a rapper that does come with a lot of expectations from people about what that means.
2: Bro, people... Family, man. My father, I saved my father from homelessness, man. My father, I I found him in the alley. And, you know, when I cleaned him up and everything, he said, it's one thing I don't understand about how are you a rapper. Rappers wear chains. Where your chain at? You can't be no certified rapper without no chain. (laughs) I've tried to wear chains, and they just never felt right, looked right. It never really sat right on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, where I was comfortable. And the other day, I saw Kanye tell Quavo, yeah, Quavo got hundreds of thousands of dollars of chains on. And I saw Kanye say, I don't need chains no more to validate me. And said that to Quavo. Mm. And then Quavo said, well, give me yours then.
0: Uh (laughs) I like that. I like both sides of that conversation, man. I think that's beautiful.
2: But then I look at the gold chain in hip hop, and now I'm like, wait, that was Pharaoh gear. The stories we could tell with Slick Rick's chains, the stories we could tell with like a death row chain or the, or, or that 50 cent chain that was spinning. Like mm-hmm. if you put those chains in a museum exhibit and archived them. That's true. Bro, you could tell That's the what story. what it looks like. Exactly. King.
0: Right. That's real. That's very real. Like Slick Rick's chains, like 50 cents chain, like those are iconic pieces of jewelry that do represent somebody bigger than life you know what i'm saying so that is there's value to that
2: not just them bro if you get eric b and rakim's chains from paid in full and just like
0: big old dookie ropes
2: (laughs) if you had biz dookie rope and told a story you could do a whole art exhibit bro and make it travel around the world because the language of hip-hop the chain is part of the language.
0: Right. The chain tells part of the story. I want to take it back for a second. I, you know, in working with you, I kind of got the impression that you don't like most successful people who I've talked to. I realize they don't look back a lot. You know what I'm saying? They tend to look forward. Like that's one thing I've learned, like talking to especially like a lot of artists that I love, like that have done a bunch of different projects. They don't spend a lot of time thinking about shit they did already, you know, but I wanted to take it back with you. Just because there's a couple of moments, well, one moment in particular, man. So we used to go to the point, Promontory Point, I south that. side of Chicago, 55th in the lakefront. What a battle. Royal. Exactly, exactly. So, like, I was going there doing my little hip hop padawan training occasionally, you know, a, a master, a sensei like yourself would walk in. So, there was one day we were, you know, in a cipher. And I'm just, you know, I'm a little intimidated already because I've listened, I've heard Ron Fest freestyling on WHBK. And I've heard them play a couple of his songs and and I see him sometimes. Damn, that's Rhyme Fest. Okay, word. So we in a cipher. I'm a little nervous, but I'm holding my own. And we all just, you know, popping and doing the thing or whatever. And I say something that Rhymefest perceives as a diss. <laughs> and rhyme fest starts coming at me. And I'm like, oh, damn. Okay. Well, I'm I'm young and I'm fearless. I have already been in battles and and Typically have done well. So I start trying to come back. So suddenly me and you was at it. And I was wearing this maroon Indiana University sweatshirt and some blue jeans. And Ron Fest said to me, something, something like you never heard of me. Look at you. You're not even matching with your burgundy. <laughs> Cypher over.
2: <laughs>
0: Battle over. That's my first real L. I got to thank you for that, <laughs> love,
2: love, love. and I got to. And if you thank me for that, I got to thank Juice for mine. Mm. Ah, I got to mm. thank Juice for training me through loss. I guess I didn't know that Juice
0: ever gave you an L. I L. I'd heard about y'all battling, but I'd never seen it or heard it, or you know what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, 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 it was incredible.
0: And maybe for a second, I mean, you know, there's gonna be people hearing this who don't know that time like we know it. Could you explain who Juice is? I mean, Juice means a lot to me, but I would love to hear your description of him.
2: If you don't know who Juice is, uh go to YouTube and look up a song called Freestyler Written, where I you don't know song. if he freestyled it or wrote it because he actually freestyles that good. And when we're talking about freestyling, we're not talking about a rap you wrote that's not going on the album. We're talking about right there off the, head. Off the top of your head, what's the first word he said? And and juice has a photographic memory. I never met anybody like it. I also believe Kanye has a photographic memory. However, Juice had a photographic memory and he just never forgot a word. He never forgot a rhyme scheme. Anything he heard, it never left his mind. It was also the curse that came with a blessing. You know what I'm saying? However, at that point in time, how was you going to outword a person like that? Nobody knew if he was from L.A. or Chicago. He was in between. He was a a mystery wrapped in an enigma. (laughs) When we were young, you know what I'm saying, anybody that stepped in the ring with juice, people knew you were going to lose. They just like to see how he was going to rip you apart. He rapped so (laughs) good. It was like, all right, let's see him rip this guy apart. Juice had an epic battle with Supernatural. Yes, he did. If you don't know who Juice is or don't believe that it was freestyle, go look at his battle with Supernatural, where he really should have won.
1: Let's get ready you you're not even good enough to be my understudy I swear to God, you need to do research I would cut his throat, but it would stain my t-shirt J.U. is the sickest You got an afro and dress like Wilson, nigga, pick it Yeah, now I grab the microphone and start to kick, I will get loose, I'ma stand next to you and cut off oh.
0: Yeah, that battle broke my heart a little bit. But but then but that battle taught me something. You know what I'm saying? Where like, I think the battle is the words, the schemes, the punchlines. No, that's just part of the battle. The other part of the battle is the showmanship. And I wasn't thinking about that at all. You know what I'm saying? Supernatural really won it with that.
2: Juice rapped better than me. The reason I would beat Juice is because Juice had no charisma. His 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 wordplay was his charisma. But that can't beat, look at this bitch right here. This nigga here. <laughs> <laughs> like, You know what I mean? Like, that can't beat the distraction, nigga. Like, you know what I'm saying? I had word play. I had, a, I had good wordplay and a lot of charisma. Whenever I would battle juice, I had to make sure emotionally I was okay.
0: That's real.
2: And then I had to learn not to let words bother me. Because mm. the biggest thing in a battle is, they're trying to say words that cut your soul and your spirit. <laughs> and words hit harder than fists, my nigga. So, I, you know, if motherfucker know something about you that you don't want people to know and they put it slick in a rhyme, that's it. You know what I'm saying? So, I really learned not to let words bother me. That skill set right there, rap battle and prepared me for life so fucking tough, bro. Because... I was going to have baby mamas who was going to use words. (laughs) And I had to be like, ah!
0: Right, right. You You had a rap career, you might have haters that use words. You
2: know? know, Hey, forget the haters. You're going to have executives to be like, yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, Battle rappers can't make songs or executives is like, hey, that ain't what niggas want to hear or, you know, your shit ain't hip-hop dead, nigga. Like, you know what I'm saying? Record label guy because... You know, the way they shitted on us and the way they kept that gate closed, you know what I mean? Like, and we persisted. Then the industry went through what it went through and all of those execs got fired. There used to be a bunch of black music execs. But when Baby and Master P created a new narrative, Jay-Z created, hey, sign my, my company and just be a distribution company. The label no longer had need for the black executives who were ANRs, who were marketing directors, who were, and those people that just really shat on us, and the people that persisted through it and rose through it. Now it's like they're calling us like, "Hey, uh, I got a podcast. You should be on it." And blah blah blah. And like, man, I'm so proud of you guys. If it was up to you, it would have been no me. It would have been no yay. It would have been no nothing. You know what I mean? And, and you still, and when those times come, we still have to have enough grace to be kind and to and to look at those people that shat on you and deliver them grace because that's your blessing. You know what I'm that's saying? Beautiful. Like, to deliver grace and not, and not be like, you used to shit on me, now I'm going <laughs> to take a number one and number two on you. You know what I mean? Like, you're, gonna, you're just keeping that cycle going. So, like, I'm just learning, like, Grace is the key to long life, bro.
0: I want to take it back to freestyling for a second. You was the first person I, I think I ever heard freestyle. It was on HBK. You was sitting with Eric. Uh, I still got the tape. I'm probably going to end up dropping it into this, this pod, so it'll probably be playing right here.
1: You have WHBK 88.5 FM in Chicago, and I have to tell you that some of the music you hear during a rap show may be deemed offensive, so do not you feel is necessary in order not to be offended. And uh, we still in here with ram fest what's right, right. up so, so um, go, you gonna hit him off with something yeah i do a little something you know i don't what get no music you, you ain't got no music man. come on man you ain't got nothing man i'm tired man come on Alright, check it out all right, I, I, I hit, hit the solo. Real quick. all right yo i'll get into this splitting up your synthesis jehovah pushed the angels out the way so he could witness this define the lines we dropping math science mcs are good at first but then break down like an appliance that's when I come to save the day. Hey, I make it sway, messing with me. <laughs> you best to catch a cap like Callaway. Yo, Eric, don't even front, cause you know I'm going to slam these. Your girl Tammy, I hope you take her out them jammies. I'm down with Eric and JP on the HBK. Let me tell you something, MCs is not a stunt. You yeah, fucked everything up by coming in and smoking blunts and then getting on the microphone, rapping like an open mic. I'm about to open sites, check it. I'm dope like Dolomite. Check it out, I got the freestyle timing. It's almost time to get out. Out here, so yo, I'm finished, rhyming. You know what I'm
0: saying? Uh, do you know who the first person you ever heard freestyle was
1: from the top of the head?
2: Uh, juice because I thought New Yorkers, and then you get into people like like guys that were in this group, Rubber Room, you know what I'm saying? Those guys and Dirty MM,
0: Meta and Torch,
2: Torch yeah, and you know, and then like so, you know, because I used to think New Yorkers was freestyling.
0: The LA cat said the same thing. The Project Blow dude said the same thing. Like When they would hear Run DMC or whoever on the radio, they thought they was coming up with all them rhymes off the top of their head. So when they would get together and rap, they thought they had to be that good. You know what I'm saying? So like they pushed freestyling really far out here.
2: Hey, think about what you just said, bro. Somebody can deliver an illusion and like... And, and inspire somebody else to create something that never existed. That's crazy, bro. Like, so it really is like, how far does our imagination go? And like, I was think like, okay, so I'm 44 now. I was thinking like the other day, I was like, yo, when did I stop trying to rap better? Like, like, you know how when we was kids, like I used to write rhymes, bro, papers balled up all over the room, like a mad scientist, you know what I'm saying? And then one day we knew we were good or thought we were good. And we just start going off of like our natural flow. But then it's like we stopped trying to like create new styles at that point. We stop. We just start laying back in the gift. But that's not sharpening the skill. Yeah, it's working the gift out. But when do we when do we as artists, we be not sharpening our skills no more?
1: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
0: I felt compelled to do that when I was surrounded by other people doing that. So, like when I was part of a community of creatives that was all trying to stay sharp and push each other and be be the flyest, be the best, and it kept me in that mind state. But once I really started like, you know, I was a solo artist and I was around the cast and I was collaborating, but I, I wasn't like a part of a community. So I I I let that skill set atrophy a little bit, but I've tried to bring that back into my life lately. That's actually one thing I was gonna ask you about. Like, do you like are you part of a community right now? Like, how do you like creatively, like, how does that fit into your, your current life, your, your work? Hey
2: bro, let me tell you something. When I gotta go write rhymes next to Sahi,
0: mm-hmm. it ain't no joke. There you go. You
2: know what I'm saying? When we in the room, man, and this and this Jack Harlow. <laughs> who cares still and like because it's new for him and, and Saha
0: and Jack Harlow came in with high quality words you know what I'm saying yeah, he can't go down words,
2: bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying and, 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 and not for nothing Yay is tired of hearing niggas talking about people write his raps so Yay got some bars like it, it's kind of like at that point you never get tired. You never don't have no energy. You never go to sleep. You never... And so, like, with that, it's like when I'm around that crew, it's like the NBA of rap still. You better hit a shot. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Bro, you better hit a shot at some point. Or you, boy... Because when them type of guys, and it's like more than that. I mean, we in the room with the game. We in who I highly respect as raps. Like, we in the room with, like... Kanye surround himself with grade A's, like J Electronica, Pusha T, what the fuck, like bro, <laughs> and here I am, I don't even be making records and putting no records out, so they already looking at me suspect, like, is you just a homie, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know what okay. You? you know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, you got a lot of homies, they ain't all here, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? like... But you know how I look at it? Like, when I go in that NBA of rap environment and we doing, writing for for the records, I don't look at it like I'm even trying to hit a shot. I look at it like I'm just here to kick the karate bag. And if Mm. if it goes ding, I'm like, oh, snap, okay. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, all I'm there to do is kick the karate bag, bro. And I think that if we look at stuff like that without desiring to, like, Get on the record, have the best verse, da da da. Like that's gonna drive you crazy. Just kick the karate bag, just wax on, wax off, Danielson.
0: Yeah, that's the craft of it, and I'm curious about that too, because our craft, I think, a little bit by its nature, is kind of egotistical. You got to think you're the best to even pick up a mic in the first place. Again.
2: No, you don't know. Remember, it was rappers. was like, like EPMD was like. You know, uh, bragging and all that stuff, like you sound like a punk. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like uh, uh, saying who could be who and all that junk, you sound like a punk. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there are other rappers like Master Ace, he never claimed to be the best, but he was super dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and we respect Master Ace. Who, who, I mean, it's a lot of rappers like that that like fall in that, like, you'll never not know him. But they were never like, I'm better than you.
0: Yeah. And I, and I guess I mean less in the content, but more in the spirit of let me grab this microphone because I got something to say and I think everybody should hear it. Whether You know what I'm saying? Whether it's necessarily about being the best or not, like just that initial thought. It's like the same with a stand-up comedian, right? Like, I'm going to get on this microphone. I want y'all to shut the fuck up because I'm about to say some shit that's funny. You know what I'm saying? Like that thought, right? It's kind of a little bit egotistical.
2: Where would you put Will Smith in that mindset?
0: I mean, I think that Will Smith had to believe that he was great, you know what I'm saying? Like, to even make them, like, to, to, because he was making really relatable music, right? Like, he wasn't never like, trying to be the hardest or trying to be the best, but he had to think he was good at relating to people that way, or else he wouldn't have had the confidence to step out like that, you know what I'm saying?
2: Yo, bro, I think Will Smith is the best storyteller and hip hop, like I put him in my top five. You know what I'm saying? And like, I don't think he get his flowers. Like, like people would say Slick Rick over Will Smith. I would say Will Smith over Slick Rick.
0: Well, I mean, I think I think the reason people wouldn't put it that way, and the reason I have a hard time reconciling that too, is because I think at some point Will Smith kind of stopped doing that. It was Slick Rick always does that. Like in in every era of Slick Rick, every album, has got some story raps on it. And I don't know if Will Smith kept doing that part even though when he first started his career he was fucking amazing at
2: it. all you got to say bro is in west philadelphia born and raised born and raised <laughs> all, bro like what are you saying to me like at the end of the day at the, that song is the most well known song in the world
0: 100% it's one of them it's one of them songs that all the white people know every word to and it's only a few it's only a handful of rap songs like that
2: white people i just said the world if you go to Africa, <laughs> Jamaica, uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, Slovenia, <laughs> and you start off to be like, "Yeah, Wells, Philadelphia," <laughs> and I don't know no other rap song like that.
0: I wanted to bring it back to the egotistical thing, just and just in terms of how I think about it, because I'm curious about the transition from you being Fest the solo artist, to you being Fest the writer. Like, what was that? Journey like in terms of how you saw yourself creatively, and then you know, it wasn't easy to make that transition.
2: No, it wasn't, it wasn't hard to make it. All I had to do was not sell some records, like you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> like you know, what I mean, not selling enough records on a major label, and then it'd be a, a blow to your ego that you got to do years to recover. And in the meantime, what you not gonna write, you know what I'm saying, or what you writing it still has power to it and it can still be used and i don't you know some of what people call me is not what i consider myself or maybe it is
0: and i would love to hear that i would love to get into that
2: yeah so it's like you know for instance how can i be a ghostwriter when i'm alive how can i be a ghostwriter when i'm not writing somebody's whole rap i'm in the room with friends bouncing ideas and like no nah, no nah, don't say that ooh bro you know what you should say Da-da-da-da-da-da with that. You know what I'm saying? And they are like, oh, snap. You know what I mean? Oh, we just made a, a Grammy Award-winning song having fun. You know what I'm saying? So, so whatever people want to call that, call it. But I ain't never wrote no rap with nobody that wasn't in the room with me at the time. You know, when, when Common and I did glory, we just went line for line. You do a line, I'll do a line. Let's build it up. You know what I'm saying? And and, and here you have Glory, Oscar Award-winning song. And like, The transition for me, bro, like, honestly, I believe that my self-esteem took a hit. Being on a major label that I should not have been on. I should have been on Rockets. I should have been on somebody that cares about hip-hop and built it up from the ground up. Not just, oh, Kanye on this song? Throw that one out. And I'm like, I hate that song. Like going for the big thing instead of going for the the thing we talked about this earlier what if you were able to actually desire something and have it exactly how you w- desired it it would probably be the wrong way <laughs> like and that's what happened and so it it what it did was after my record deal I was like let me go f- figure out who I am cuz right yeah. now I don't want to be a famous rapper and so it sent me back to TV shows, like, developing shows. It sent me to back to the community, like, developing nonprofits and running for office and seeing, like, oh, wow, if I can rap, I can use those same skills to be a community organizer. I can use those same skills to write a script. I can use those – and so I had went on this self thing journey, and now – it spit me out and says, "Now, what do you want to do with this?" Mm. And now I'm like, "I want to rap." <laughs> <laughs> I want to rap. You know
0: what I'm saying? It came full circle with it.
2: It came full circle.
0: So you know, you talk about glory. Glory won an Oscar. Jesus walks won a Grammy. As much as you can remember, like, what do those moments feel like for you personally? Like, it 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 seems like it's it's, it's something to celebrate, you know. And I and I'm just curious how that felt to like receive that level of industrial or cultural recognition for stuff that you was a part of?
2: Well, you know, when I'm applying to be a part of like university scholars programs, it's always good to have on your resume, you know what I'm saying? Like, because they care about like that kind of stuff and in academia, they like, at least if you ain't got a degree, have an award, like, (laughs) you know, that's one. But then number two, it's like, all of it comes with trauma, you know, like for any award you get, what's the trauma that comes with it? I mean, you know, the trauma with Glory was like being told at some point, like, oh, wait, they just wanted to be John Legend in common and they don't want you to be nowhere around it. And
0: like even on even for the writing, they didn't.
2: No, nah, for the writing, it's all good. It's all good when you create okay. creating it because nobody knows what it's going to be. When it turns into what it's going to be, then it's got to be like the two light-skinned guys. You know what I'm saying? I like, see, I
0: see, I when, see. Then when
2: it turns into what it's going to be, it's like, man, the, the person who you, who you grew up with and admired and loved and trusted the most, it becomes a thing where it's like, damn, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, say something to them people. Oh, you scared of them? You know, and sometimes it don't even be the person. It be like, damn, my business wasn't together enough to have the right attorney to work that deal out the way it should have been worked out. And I thought my friend was gonna not like let the vultures get let let
0: it go down like that. Yeah. Uh
2: huh. And so, so I gotta take the hit, but the shit give you depression because not depression. I ain't never been depressed really. Yo, I I've been down but I've never been mm-hmm. out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt down, but I ain't never felt hopeless. You know what I'm saying? But, but like, back to the, the like, Jesus Walks, when I was sitting in the in the audience with Mark Ronson and Doc, Dr. Donda West and Oprah Winfrey and, and I watched Kanye come out and with angel wings and fly in the air and Jesus Walks come on and I'm like, oh, snap! <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is... Like it It also was like beyond my imagination, beyond anything I could have ever imagined that Jesus walks didn't really give me any trauma other than it kind of disrupted me and Kanye's relationship for a little while, because what people were saying made him feel.
0: People were saying you wrote the whole thing and he was feeling a way about that.
2: And that disrupted our our relationship for a long time. And we had to really have a sit down talk recently. Like, bro, don't let what other people say interfere with our, our brotherhood. You know what I'm saying? Like, that ain't what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? And so he's like, but you let him say it. I'm like, I can't
0: stop
2: it. <laughs> I can't stop it bro. Like, you know what I'm saying?
0: Did you watch the documentary? No. Are you going to watch the documentary?
2: At some point.
0: I would love to hear what you feel about it, if, if you don't mind sharing.
2: Number one, we're currently working on stuff. You said it yourself. I don't get into the past. I can't look at something 20 years ago and still be a, a prophet of the future. I can't be stuck in like, well, why did I and who am I now? And, you know, we get in this paralysis of analysis of ourselves, And we thinking about self, You thinking about a self that don't even exist no more trying to make sense of it today for tomorrow. You better work on today for tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like, so when we're done with what we're doing currently, I'll sit down and watch it. But as for now, I got to be able to work with my brother without bringing that to the table.
0: You know, what? the funny thing is I, I know you and him been working together for a long time and that documentary covers a long time. And you're in it, but you're not in it as much as I thought you'd be in it. You know what I'm saying? Something like that was a thing. But there was this one conversation that y'all had in it, and I guess I'll just let you watch it. It is not—it's not anything negative. It was actually something. I've seen clips. Have you seen the one I- he got mad at you because you said he wasn't a genius?
2: I've seen—I've seen short clips. I've never seen the conversation.
0: Okay. I think it's really revealing of something that I found really interesting. What happens when people get money, power, recognition, a lot of times the people who've been around them become yes men. But what that conversation revealed is that you were not a yes man. And like you you were saying something to him that made a lot of logical sense, but it was running counter to what the world was saying, and he liked what the world was saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it but it was it was this interesting encapsulation of what I imagine y'all's relationship to be where like You challenge him no matter where he is because you've known him for so long. You know what I'm saying? And it's reflective of the kind of person you are, you know?
2: Yeah, and it's also because we're both contrarians. Whatever he say, I'm going to say the opposite. Like, like, whatever I say, he's going to be like, nah. But we have the same spiritual power. Imagine being tethered, like the left hand being tethered to the right hand, and they both want to do something different. And imagine the brain being ambidextrous.
0: What do you think is the reason that y'all have been able to work close for so
2: long? I keep my distance. You know, if I'm not needed, I got things that I want to do. My life is not like surrounded around, you know what I'm saying? My brother, you know, he has his life. I have my life, but together we can create new life. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's kind of like, You know, uh I said it in brand new. Uh some about, yeah, I asked him for too much. I don't ask him for too much. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't even bother him. You know what I'm saying? Like, but when I need him, he he there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't ask Kanye for verses, I don't ask Kanye for beats, I don't ask Kanye for nothing. You know what I'm saying? I, I what I do ask Kanye for, I will say this. When we were doing Donda's house. And I was doing community work, I was like, bro, you gotta do something in this community.
0: That's right. And that's what she would have asked him too, I'm sure. And
2: that's what she would have asked of him. You know what I mean? Like, so that in the spirit, I asked for his spirit to be to be well. You know, like I, I asked for him to like come to me in in a in a in a honest spirit. Like, and and that's all I, that's all I ask.
0: You mentioned earlier when you were talking about glory, how sometimes it can be complicated when you do work with your friends and people you respect. Has there been any lesson you've learned about doing business with friends? Like how do you think about that process? Do you prefer to do business with friends? Do you prefer to do business with strangers? Like what's what feels most comfortable for you?
2: It depends on the nature of the relationship. It also depends on clarity and transparency. If I don't want to deal with somebody, I would rather pay you and get away. <laughs> money, Money is like a real good way to create a boundary. You know what I'm saying? And, and I use money for boundaries. If people knew better when they work with me, they wouldn't want to work with money because they would. it would be so much more of an opportunity to work through, through our value system because we would build more for a longer period of time and they would get more out of it, money and prestige. And, and, and it's the difference between like a kingmaker and a king. A king only deals in like, hard currency. A kingmaker deals in ideas that create empires and put people in position because they're not interested in the position themselves. And so I, I like I like to look at myself as a kingmaker. And so if anybody was wise, they they'd want that. They wouldn't want the money. But money is a great way to create a boundary. And it just depends on who I'm dealing with and what their values are. If I don't like their values, I'll pay you cause I need to serve. <laughs> if I, if I love your values, let's become a village and build something bigger. Like you, me and you are a village. You and I are a village. We've been knowing each other for years. I, I was in need and you didn't know. And you just was like, yes, come on, bro. You know what I'm saying? You, you have, you had this great way of like, you don't hold on to things you don't like, you, you really are good at analyzing yourself, self-correcting and improving yourself, learning, you learn from the mistakes. You, like, I see you growing. Like, I, I look at it like, if you don't grow every three months, you're not growing at all. You should be able to look back three months and say, how far have I come since three months ago? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I see you making that quarterly, you know what I mean, increase in, in who you are. And so, like, I look at that and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's the type of person in the village we need." You know what I'm saying? Like, so whatever Mike asks me for, I'm like, "Yes, yes, yeah, yes." Yeah. But but in that, we validate each other. We lift each other. We, you know what I'm saying? So, it's
0: whatever. 100%. And uh, you know, like that's just an honor for me because like I'm saying you're like you're part of my origin story as an artist, you know what I'm saying? Like that's and that that Like, what you represented in that era that was most creatively fertile for me and my imagination. Like, I can't say enough about that. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I wanted to bring it to, too, as we close. Because you brought up values and how important it is that your values align with the people you're working with. And, like, I think about that era, right? That 96, 97, 95, like, south side of Chicago going to the point that B-boy culture, what we used to call underground, and how... You know, we had this dichotomy, underground versus mainstream, real versus fake, whatever you want to call it. And I think I spent the last, I would say maybe ten years feeling like, oh man, that was an illusion. That was marketing. We're all the same, and we was just we were fighting a war in our heads It didn't really matter. Like that's how I was rationalizing it. And recently, as I've been really going back and listening to that music, and, it, and and that music, that era has a lot of flaws in it. It was a lot of condescending shit, it was a lot of judgmental shit, it was a lot of like low-key hatred of women and a lot of that shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, homophobia.
2: Well, hip hop hated women at that time.
0: Exactly. And, and and the Smarter Brothers, especially. I can't tell you how many songs where it's like the whole song is just like a dude dissing a girl who you could tell she just didn't call him back or something. You know what I'm saying? And like he'd spend sixty four bars going at her. I'm like, damn, homie, like. You know, and that shit was impressive at the time, but like now you have context, and it's like, ugh. But now I've kind of come around to thinking like there was something there, like there was something we were fighting for that I do think is real, and I wonder how you how you think of that 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 conflict, that dichotomy that 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 is part of what informed my value system, and I and I you know your music at the time for sure that was in it too. I wonder what you think of that dichotomy now, like underground versus mainstream, real versus fake, that whole thing that we were in at that time.
2: Oh man, you so right, bro. There was a war between, you know, when, when, when Rue with this Puffy, you know what I'm saying? When it was like Biggie can rap, but we don't, but Puffy is the shiny suit guy, but like we really like Wu-Tang, but like, you know, and then Lauren Hill kind of showed everybody and the women like this is how we can present ourselves to really kill every guy in the group you know what i'm saying like uh there was there was it was a I, everything is a thought war there was a thought war happening when the drug war was happening you know what i'm saying like it was a thought war you You can listen to the kind of music somebody likes and you know who you dealing with too. I tell my daughter and my sisters that if you want to date a guy, listen to the music he listened to, you'll know exactly who you dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at the art that he got in his house. If he like art at all, you'll know who you dealing with. Look at what he read. If he read at all, you'll know exactly who you dealing with. Just, you know, and and hip hop at that time was like, remember, all battle rappers can't make songs, you know what I mean? Because we were really a threat to the industry. You know what I'm saying? Because there was a, there was a industry being built out of battle rap. Eminem came at that time. And, and you know, he, I remember he said some shit to me, like, I I let my razors split you till they have to staple stitch you. This nigga took my facial tissue, turned it to a racial issue. I said, whoa. (laughs) So, there was a battle oh. for everybody to earn their respect through spells. Mm. Through spell casting. All of the wizards were battling for supremacy. It was the great time of like the black version of Harry Potter. All of the wizards were battling for supremacy.
0: And it was little wizard schools everywhere, like The Point, like Project Blow, like New Eurekan Poetry. Yeah, everywhere.
2: Where are the wizard schools, school,
0: man? That's what I'm asking you. You know what I'm saying? You, like, because I feel like for the future of the magic,
2: you in the position now where we can create wizard school.
0: Okay, well, we got to do that.
2: Because because it ain't we. It ain't enough for people our age to sit around talking about where's this at, where's what we had. You are the father now. You are mm. the father. Like you say, <laughs> when, when you, you are the father. You like I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of it if it's mine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ours. That's real. <laughs> like me, you and I could could sponsor a battle at the point.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I'm saying, and create the structure around it between me and you. We could have a $1,000 prize. You know how many young people would come for that?
0: And, and it's the battle, but it's also like that weekly programming, that 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 culture, like that we all got to get together and go practice the craft. Like that, that's what Project Blow was. That's what the point was. That's what they was doing at New York and, you know, every, other, like every scene, they had a place where everybody knew. That you come and you do the thing like that's that's what it needs to it needs to be like programmatic almost you, you know right. what I'm saying? It can't be
2: a one off. It got to be programmatic. Right. You right because because we have to. Nobody's being trained. You know who they being trained by? I remember when when Chief Key and them was like, man, Jimmy Iovine came to old block. You know what I'm saying? Like the system is absorbing all of our greatest minds. And reprogramming their minds to destroy the authenticity of the community. They're turning our drum against us.
0: Before those minds have even had a chance to blossom in any sort of love, you know what I'm saying? Before they've even gotten to dance in a circle one time. Come on. Already taken away.
2: Guess where it still exists? In Europe. Yep. But not in a community near you. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
0: It's like we come from another planet, man. And it's like we always got to tell people about the old planet, but the planet never really exploded. Like, it's not Krypton. You know what I'm saying? It's the the same planet we own. It's just like Planet of the Apes. You know, like, it was different back then.
2: I'm studying the Kepler telescope. I'm studying nebulas and quasars and all that right now. And what I'm realizing is that it's not planet to planet. It's multidimensional. You and I are not talking even about time. We're talking about a, a time, a dimension, a time in space where something happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you know, I don't even know, like these little ships we see seeing I don't even know if these ships are coming from other planets. They may be appearing from other dimensions
0: or other times. Maybe another they were. Maybe maybe it's another time.
2: Another time. The way I'm looking at this realm of existence now is okay. What do we bring into this dimension from where? From what time? From, from so we can time?
0: fold it back in.
2: So we can fold it back in and correct the timeline.
0: Dude, that's a beautiful thing, brother. I always appreciate being able to put our heads together and and exchange ideas. I look forward to doing it more as we pick up some of the threads we've laid out in this conversation and always appreciate your time your energy your creative output your perspective on the world which i always find to be very grounding and and sustaining for me so you know thank you for sitting and speaking and we're definitely gonna have to do this again
2: most definitely and then let's do some more writing together man i love you bro
0: absolutely absolutely love you too brother And i'm gonna let you go